Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Deck Arts Podcast. Today, I'm here with Sydney Friedman, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we will be talking about the Versa pattern in Stig Lindbergh. Sydney is a master's candidate at the Parsons Cooper Hewitt program, like all of my other episodes, and she did an intensive course this summer on Scandinavian design. Do you want to explain what that course covered? Sure. So it was a two-week trip. Um, the first five days were in Helsinki, and then the rest of the class was in Stockholm. Um, we spent a lot of the time, a lot of time at the Design Museum in Helsinki. We went to Saarinen's house in Vitrisk, which was amazing. It's about twenty-five minutes outside of Helsinki, um, and. We did so much Alvar Alto. We went to his house, his studio. There was an exhibit at their National Museum, and that was all in Helsinki. And then we took an overnight ferry, which was very interesting, to Stockholm. And Wait. It was crazy. It was like a party. There was like a club on the boat. Wait, an it was overnight wild. ferry? Yeah. yeah. How? It was 12 hours. Wait. It's like an hour and a half plane ride, so I was like, I can't believe I'm taking this 12-hour boat. But it was fun. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you guys go to the party? Did you experience yeah. it? Yeah. It was, and it was, it's like totally like a cultural thing there. Like every time we'd like meet curators or different people at the different sites, they'd be like, oh, you're going to Stockholm next. Like heard you're taking the ferry. Ha ha ha. Like party. And then it was a party. It was crazy. That like, sounds so fun. Crazy drunk people. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but it was fun. That's so cool. Yeah, it was cool. Okay. <laughs> it was a cultural experience in itself, besides all these site visits and museums we went to. And it's interesting. That's great. More I'm really jealous. <laughs> Contemporary. Yeah. Um, and then in Stockholm, we did so much. We went, we did a lot of, uh, like, within Stockholm, we went to um, art tech which is the Architecture Design Museum. They had a great Joseph Frank exhibit that we had, like, a great walkthrough of. Um, I'm, like, kind of blanking. But we went to this um, Cluster, which is, like, castle from the 1600s, so kind of, like, way further back. And then also um, the library. Um, Epla, uh, Epsilon? Frederick Epsilon. Absolute, absolute, absolute. <laughs> His library and also this um, cemetery that he designed, which was crazy because it was more of like a landscape, but with architecture oh, integrated, but like fun. a different kind of architecture. Like we never really talk about oh. cemeteries usually. So that was really cool. Really ran the gamut. Tons of different sites and public and private spaces. That sounds fun. It sounded yeah. like a really cool course, and all their pictures looked amazing. Yeah, it was really I was fun. super jealous. Um, but then you wrote your paper on, um, you sort of start with the history of the Gustavberg mm-hmm. porcelain factory, mm-hmm. which is in Sweden, mm-hmm. and it was the leading porcelain factory in 1825. Yes. So one of our day trips was to this porcelain factory in Gustavsburg, which is um, about half an hour east of the city of Stockholm. And it was a porcelain factory. It started in 1825, and they produced everything. They produced, like, all of the toilets ever made for Sweden, ever. Um, But also, like, tableware that the average person could buy, and also super fine examples of porcelain for, like, World's Fairs and things like that. So, like, anything that was ceramic, earthenware, porcelain, anything in Sweden probably came from Gustavsburg since 1825. That's crazy. And they were 
continued to produce. They only stopped production in the late 90s. And now the factory space is a porcelain museum. So for the class, we each had to pick an item to do like a mini presentation of when we were on site. So I chose the Bursa pattern, cup and saucer, just because I thought it was kind of cute. And then when we were there at the factory, I was able to give the background um, to my classmates. Yeah, and the pattern, you describe it in your paper, but it's Mm -hmm. um, green leaves Mm -hmm. with um, black veining. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's always on a white background, Mm -hmm. correct? Yes. So it's pretty simplistic when you first look at it. Um, Exactly. It's like usually, I mean, every example I've seen has been on a white background, unless it's been like a modern interpretation. Um, But yeah, it's usually on white. And it's like very straight leaves or straight lines with the leaves symmetrically placed on either side. And then it has little black veins throughout the leaves. Ooh. I don't know if that's... It's kind of hard to yeah, describe. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I, I'm picturing what I think it would look like because I have not Googled it yet. Okay. But I'll also post a picture of it. That'll be the image of this podcast. Oh, nice. And um, I'll post links and stuff so people okay, can then do further research. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Great idea. So the designer of this um, was Stig Lindbergh, mm-hmm. who was born in 1916 mm-hmm. in a different part of Sweden yeah. that I cannot... Umia, maybe? <laughs> I don't exactly know how to pronounce it. Has it has a weird character Umia. above it, and I'm not sure yeah, how to pronounce it. Yeah, it has that. like an umlaut over the A. <laughs> and he was hired... <laughs> I think it's also like a suburb of Stockholm. Okay, so... It's not that far. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but he was hired when he was only 20 to work at the Gustavberg mm-hmm. porcelain factory, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's this story. I actually didn't put it into my paper because I couldn't find a source that I thought was legit enough to validate including it. But there's this story that when he was, like, 20 years old, he walked into the factory and was like, I'm, you're hiring me. And so they were like, okay. And he was like, I'm not leaving. Like, I can do this. And, like, I guess painted something or, like, was able to prove himself and then stayed there for 50 years and became, like, worked his way up to be the artistic director. That's amazing. Yeah. I hope that story is true. I mean, I think it is, but I just, like, couldn't get that citation that I needed. Yeah. Which was a little sad because it's a fun story, but. Yeah. Yeah. He basically, like, knew. There's this whole, he's, his background's kind of crazy. Like, apparently he was an amazing musician, and then part of his thumb got shot off or cut off or something, so he, like, couldn't be a pianist anymore. I think it was piano, but now I'm kind of doubting myself. It's been a little bit. So then he was like, okay, I guess I'll start painting, and became, like, Sweden's best ceramicist and illustrator. Wow. So just a creative <laughs> person in yes, general. very creative person. But he went on to produce the Bursa pattern, and mm-hmm. then, but I think you said with maybe a commissioned assistant, Christopher yes. Karlmark? Yes. So Karlmark was an assistant at Gustavsburg, and he, I think, he was working in kind of Lindbergh's style, which is very um, natural, like informed by natural forms, and has a kind of, like, colorful, whimsical look to it. So my understanding is that they were looking to do, like, a leaf pattern for affordable tableware, and Karl Marx was the one that um, Lindbergh liked the most and decided to move forward with for production. That would make sense. Like, 
That's yeah. the best version of the story I have. So, yeah, so he was an assistant, and then um, Lindbergh liked his stuff, so. Well, like he had. They made it. Yeah, they made it work. Um, and so um, you kind of touch on this, I guess, a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, when I think of Swedish design, I think of a lot of simplicity and white mm-hmm. and simple objects. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talk about really briefly, Ellen Key and the Beauty for All that had come out during this time. And Mm -hmm. the bursted pattern, I think, was officially in production from, like, 1960 to 1974. Yeah. Um, But I think Ellen Key was a little bit before, like, like, maybe, like, late 19th century. Yeah. So she was definitely earlier, but her kind of whole thing about, like, if your space is beautiful, your life is beautiful, kids are great, nature's great. We talked about that all the time during the course of the Scandinavian design course. And um, it's very, like, deep inset into Scandinavian design and Swedish design. So for Lindbergh, who was going to produce this set of tableware that would be affordable for everyone, he wanted to make it really aesthetically appealing, but also bring in some of that natural elements or and like leaves obviously um to kind of bring that inside the home which is like a very yeah like deeply inset Swedish value Mm -hmm. based on keys writing from whatever 70 years earlier yeah or 60 years earlier yeah yeah it's still cool like concept that something that important is still so pervasive in their Mm -hmm. design Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the nineteen fifties, like even before. Yeah, and walking around Sweden and being in the spaces now, I feel like it still persists. And yeah, interesting. Just, yeah. I like Bright, that style. Green leafy spaces. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like Pinterest is part of the uh, tribe. The reason <laughs> it is still around, but it's great. It's very um, nice. and then in two thousand six, um, Stockholm's National Museum. Mounted a solo exhibition on Lindbergh, mm-hmm. and it um, you mentioned it had a strong emphasis on design, copyright, and ownership, which I thought was interesting. Why was that? Yes, so Lindbergh's many of Lindbergh's patterns, in addition to Bursa, were, have become like super iconic in Sweden. And the curator who was giving us the tour of the porcelain museum, which is now on the factory site. Um, they have on display the paper cups with Bursa pattern, and um, Lindbergh has another pattern that's like navy blue dots, kind of just like around the border. Um, and she showed us cardboard coffee cups with these patterns on them, and if you turn it around, you could see the McDonald's logo. And she was saying that it was like a huge issue when this happened, even though it was licensed by Lindbergh's um, trust or yeah, like trust or whoever has the rights. There was like drama with the family not wanting it to be on McDonald's cups, but the um, is it trust? I don't know. There's estate. like a word. Yeah, like the estate um, had licensed this, and it's so iconic of Swedish design. So that like literally anyone who would get a cup of coffee at McDonald's and have that would know what it was referencing. Um, but it caused some drama in the Lindbergh circles, um, which was included in the in the exhibit at the National Museum. And they still have the coffee cups on display and like in the collection, even though it was like ten years ago. Wow. Yeah, 
So like, did they McDonald's, ever get it like, sorted out? American company. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think so. So when I was trying to do my research for the paper, it was really hard for me to find some of like the court drama that the curator alluded to. Um, and like the best I could kind of do is get the little tombstone information um, and curator's notes from the National Museum website. But other than that, I mean, a lot of this research is in Swedish, which I obviously don't read. So it was really hard for me to find any actual documentation about this legal drama. But it was an element. I know it was included as an element of the um, Stiglingberg retrospective at the National Museum. And I feel like that's a problem in um, a lot of, like, the Scandinavian countries is Mm -hmm. a lot of their um, academic design books are not translated. Yes. How was that when you were... Oh, my God, because I was, like, in the gift shop at the Porcelain Museum being like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And, like, excuse me, when I asked the woman, she was like, no, we don't have that in English. And I was like, has it ever been translated? Like, do you know if it's available? And she was like, no. I was like, okay, it's, like, a 200-pound, like, book. I'm not lugging this back to America if I can't even read it. Like... So it was definitely a little bit more difficult than I expected, just because I know how huge he is in Sweden, and especially after talking to the curator at the museum, and she was just like, yeah, like, sorry, like, we never published the catalog in English, or, like, we only published a third of it in English, or is which is available online, or whatever it is. Wow. So if you're yeah. Swedish and you're listening... Yeah, like, you, you would should make be a bank. translator for some dead <laughs> arts books. <laughs> they would do well. I know. I don't know if, like, the market's just, like, not here. Like, I did kind of find out that Lindbergh is, was, like, a household name because beyond um, porcelain, he did children's books, he did textiles, and he did, like, other fun little things like card game, like, um, a deck of cards and, like, I don't know, little tchotchke things that would, like, be in the home. So he was totally a household name. Um, but, yeah, here it just never, never was. That's sad. I know. Because he could be. I know. All this stuff is really cute. Um, <laughs> I think it's cute. It's, like, no, so fun yeah. and, like, fairies and mermaids and stuff. Yeah. Like the kids' books. Yeah, I feel like that's... Also, I feel like Americans love European mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. in general, so... Mm-hmm. It has, like, a very... Like, his illustrations, not as much Bursa specifically, but his illustrations and some of his art pottery, which is also at Gussensburg, is very, like, has a folk art vibe to it. Like, you could tell it's really crafted by hand. It's not, like, the printed, affordable tableware. Um, But, yeah, it's, like, mermaids and, you know, little couples, like, holding hands that are, like, kind of bowls, I guess. Like, (laughs) you know, it's very... um, it seems kind of crafty in a way that is very different than um, Bursa. I get like on which Bursa was printed. Oh, I yeah. don't know. So it's like very. It's just interesting because he ha- he has a huge body of work that he's like well known for the wide variety. Um, yeah, in Sweden, Swedish. but not here. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, good. You also mentioned in your paper that Gustav Berg revived the Bursa pattern mm-hmm. in table service in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you went into any stores or something. Yes, like, I can send you some pictures because 
everywhere we were walking around in Stockholm, like, you would see just, like, bursts of stuff. Like, not necessarily printed on ceramic plates, but printed on paper plates and paper napkins. And even the Airbnb we were staying in, we walked in, and I, like, looked at the um, windowsill, and there was, like, a matchbox with bursts printed on it. And I was like, guys! And I, like, brought it to my presentation. I was like, I borrowed this from our Airbnb today. Like, you can see real Swedish families have bursts in their homes. It was a little embarrassing, but it was good. Um, but yeah, it's like for, still for sale everywhere. The, even though Gustavsburg isn't manufacturing the porcelain on site where the museum now is, um, the pattern is licensed out to be produced on like all these kinds of disposable modern products, like dish towels. Not everything's like throw out, but yeah, just other like everything. Yeah, yeah. So it's really cool. Um. So why did you pick this topic to then write an entire paper on? Um, yeah, so for the course, we each were had to choose an object or a site. Like, some people did full buildings, like a train station or a mental health facility that we went to. Like, really – and then other things were, like, um, yeah, like a little cup and saucer. I don't know. It just kind of, like, appealed to me because it was colorful – and clean, but also useful. I could tell from my initial kind of research when I was trying to figure out what I would do that it was something that would really be in people's homes. It wasn't kind of like a iconic art piece that was unaffordable or unattainable, but it actually was like a very usable and normal object, which I liked more democratic. Um, so, yeah, so it just kind of appealed to me when I started researching it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's cute. There's a lot of backstories associated with it, too. Yeah. The fun McDonald's. Yeah, so drama. that was, well, that I didn't find out until after I had given my presentation at the museum, and then the curator was like, did you notice the cardboard cups? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I've seen similar things for sale, like, since we've been in Stockholm this week, and... What, like, I didn't think that much of it. And she was like, no, actually, these were printed by McDonald's, and there's family drama. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> Tell me more! Yeah. It was cool. So, was there anything interesting or unexpected while you were there doing research or afterwards that you found? Yeah. So, the aspect of the... Um, evolution of the design and the fact that Christer Karlmark was so involved in the initial design is more recent knowledge. Um, I think it came out about the time that the National Museum was putting this huge exhibition on, so like 30 or 40 years after the actual development, did it become like official to put Lindbergh and Karlmark for this design, not just Lindbergh. So it's pretty recent. Um, considering how big and pervasive the pattern is in Sweden, that another person would be kind of acknowledged for helping design this. And Lindbergh died in the 80s, so he never saw this retrospective, but Karl Mark is still alive and working at the... I don't know if he still teaches, but he was a professor at the Crafts and Art College in Stockholm. And what I thought was the craziest thing was that he actually taught in Chicago for a little bit and married an American who was one of the Little Rock Nine, like, in Arkansas, like, one of the first black 
children to go to school, to go to a non-integrated school, which to me is, like, an insane pairing of, like, how did this guy from Stockholm, like, Swedish design history meet such an integral person in American civil rights history? I know, it's crazy. And, like, there are all these pictures of them in Stockholm, and she's, like, this cute black woman wearing, like, Swedish flower crowns with him. Yeah, they have a couple kids, both still alive in Stockholm. So that's, like, what I was most obsessed with. And I was like, okay, this has nothing to do with deck arts, but this is such a cool coincidence, like, interesting thing that's that crazy. I found out. I know. Wait, I'm about to crazy? go down a rabbit hole later. I know. She's so cute. And it just kind of, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's like, oh, my God, like, the world is, like, exploding, and, like, I'm focusing on, like, a little cup and saucer that was designed like 60 years ago who cares but then I'm like this these are real people and they did real things and it really does intersect in cool ways beyond just like this is a cute thing in a museum yeah and I thought it was awesome uh, yeah that's so cool yeah that these two worlds have collided yeah that's so interesting I know so I had to like obviously put like one sentence about it in my paper but I couldn't like elaborate as much as I was like oh my god freaking out about like in my research (laughs) but yeah so I thought that was like doesn't really have to do with it sort of has to do with it but just like a cool yeah definitely side note so do you think um he told someone that he had helped work on it like Karl Marx like but did he go to the retrospective like how do you think he so my understanding is that like when they were doing the initial, like, curatorial work for this retrospective, some of the papers and archives were found at Gustavsburg, and it became, like, more evident, his participation and involvement in the project. Um, The curator told us that there was, like, a big fire at one point. I feel like this is, like, classic story, like, any historical thing. Like, there was a fire, and all this stuff got ruined, but this amount got saved, and this was fine, whatever. So I feel like when they were, like, going through their archives, maybe it, like, kind of came to the surface yeah. more than it had before. Wow, crazy. Because yeah. yeah. then he probably blew up more than not. Yeah. So, which is interesting, too. Like, you would never have found out he was right. married to... Like, this, like yeah, this little, woman from yeah. the Little Rock Nine. I know. And he ha- yeah, so cool. The world works in mysterious ways. Um, but thank you so much for coming oh, yeah, on the podcast. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I'm going to post a link Great. to all this stuff, guys, and I'll post all the images so everyone oh, can yeah. see because they'll probably be awesome. Yeah. So I, I have some pics I can send you. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.